Blog Talk Radio. Reality Radio Entertainment presents Behind the Curtain with your host, Kathy Barrett. Hey, welcome to Behind the Curtain, a show about how we navigate down the not-so-yellow brick road of life. I'm Kathy Barrett, and I hope you'll stay tuned because we really do have a fantastic show for you today. We had a little bit of technical uh, difficulty, so I'm going to start the show again for all of you out there. First of all, I just want to announce that there is a wonderful non-governmental organization called Walk of Truth that is doing outstanding work in raising awareness about the need to protect our cultural heritage. Its founder is Tasula Giorgio Hagetofi, who has single-handedly been fighting art smugglers around the world, chasing down stolen antiquities and treasures and artifacts that have been looted from areas of conflict. Tasula is one of the most fearless and charismatic leaders I've had the pleasure of meeting. So I want you all to go to walkoftruth.com. That's just as as it sounds, W-A-L-K-O-F-T-R-U-T-H.com to find out more about the information that, uh, you know, more about the work that she's doing in the world. You can volunteer, make a donation, just walk with Tisula and her staff and help them to continue to do the groundbreaking work that uh, they are doing right now. It's really up to each of us to take personal responsibility for protecting the world's cultural heritage, of which we all play a part in. So once again, it's www.walkoftruth.com. Now today, our program is The Last Shaman. Our special guest is William Whitecloud. He's internationally acclaimed seminar leader and author of books, uh, The Magician and The Last Shaman. His passion is helping people to master living the life they wish to lead. William has spent his early childhood in Swaziland uh, before he immigrated to Australia, where he speculated in global financial markets until he began to gear himself towards the alchemical principles of hermetic philosophy. William has several online courses and books and CDs and seminars that he teaches around the world, and you can find out more information about the fantastic work that he is doing by going to williamwhitecloud.com. Again, that's W-I-L-L-I-A-M-W-H-I-T-E-C-L-O-U-D.com for more information about William. William, thank you so much for being on the program today. It's just an honor to have you with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Kathy. It's fabulous to be on your show, and thanks for the great introduction. Well, I I love the work that you're doing, but first I have to ask you about your last name. Is that your real last name, White Cloud? Well, it is real now, um, <laughs> but it, 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 it's not my original family name. It, you know, it used to be my nickname, and uh, it actually used to annoy me, and I, I never could relate to it too much. But once I started getting into everything that I'm into now, uh, it, it made sense, and I... Um, realized that it was kind of like a gift had been sent to me through this nickname, so I assumed it. And uh, now I'm William Whitecloud. Very happy to be. Well, it's you know, it's true. It's um, a lot of uh, guests that I have on the show. I, I, love, I love that, that they have this 
transformation. They go through this rebirthing process in their own lives, and they do create new names in the process. There have been several guests that um, have been on the program that have done that, and I think it's quite fitting. Well, yes, it's, it's nice to have a name that suits your nature that you can relate to, and you know, you know it just it just feels like me. So, um, what can I say? I, I I love my name, and I'm I'm grateful for the the person that first coined it and started calling me that, uh, even though originally it annoyed me. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because I guess there was a certain truth. That it probably you know rang true for you, but you couldn't identify it at the time. No, not not at the time because um, you know I had no relationship to any you know I could, there was no no meaning to it. It, it was you know I, I couldn't I, well just put it this way I just I simply could not identify with it at the time originally, but now I do identify with it. So problem solved, I must say. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, let's talk about your childhood. It was very unusual, and uh, Swaziland is a very small country, and uh, basically it's um, it borders uh, Mozambique and uh, South Africa. It's uh, Some facts about it were quite disturbing, actually. It has a 26% rate of HIV infection in the country. Um, a lot of the farming which they're uh, doing there is actually growing marijuana, and uh, what was most upsetting to me was the average life expectancy is um, 31 years of age in that country. So what was that like for you growing up there? Well, it was nothing like that. I mean, you see the, the incidence of HIV is a very modern uh, phenomenon, and uh, Swaziland was a, a very underpopulated country in those times. It was, it was a very wild place. When I, when I was a boy growing up in Swaziland, it was very pristine and wild, uh, and you know, just to give you an idea, when my father drove down there to where to, to the area that he ended up developing, that he was contracted to develop, uh, he'd been driving along a track, and you know, he'd long since left the road, and he was just driving along a four-wheel drive track, and then that ran out about a hundred miles before he got to where he was going. Mm. So. You know, you can yeah. imagine it was a, it was a very remote uh, region, you know, just full of well, it was like a you know a game reserve. It was a, full of wild animals and and wild people. I mean, the people that were living there, the Swazis that were living there, the tribes people were uh, living in in exactly the same condition as they'd lived thousands of years before the first European settlers arrived there. And the thing about that, uh, other than being a very fantastic place for a young child to grow up, you know, a young boy to grow up in, in, in terms of having all that nature and, and, and this wonderful place, uh, playground, really, to, to play around in, was the, the, the people there at that time, and, and they still do to a large extent, but, I mean, totally um, so back in those days, the, the world view that the tribes people had was a very supernatural one where you know, the, the skies were filled with uh, forces that, uh, you know, invisible forces holding sway over everything. And so to them, um, self-conscious, uh, you know, three-dimensional literal reality was just something that was there to be seen through to the, the deeper spiritual um, supernatural forces that were pl at play, and that was totally their 
worldview. You know, nothing was as it seemed, and and you know there was there was meaning behind. There were deeper meanings behind everything that happened. They they didn't go along with just things as as they would, you would obviously think they were, and and so you know the thing about that is, Kathy, is that that I think that that really prepared me in in a powerful way because although once I started going to boarding school from the age of eight and entered into the commercial world after school, and and that sort of worldview which was seen as as very um, superstitious and primitive was kind of stamped out on me or repressed and buried. But later when I came back into what the way I live my life now and the way I see life now and, and what I serve people in, in living their lives in, in a more spiritual way, um, that upbringing or that background has really um, stood me in good stead. It's come, come back to serve me because basically now you know, I'm really intrigued and I love the title of your show, Behind the Curtain, because the way I live my life and the way I teach other people to live their lives is to see behind the curtain of you know, just what's superficially going on in our lives down to the deeper meanings and the deeper machinations of our, our lives and world around us so that we can navigate our lives in a, in a much more powerful way, that we can be part of, you know, self-consciously connected and, and one with all that we're a part of and, uh, fo- you know, follow a higher calling and a higher guidance in, in line with our highest destiny and our, our highest, highest potential. And, and so while I do look back on my childhood with a certain fondness for the, the um, innocent wonder in, in, in which I lived, I feel like also that the most important benefit of that was um, now my ability to, to live in this way where um, with, with, with a deep awareness and deep appreciation of, of my own nature and, and, and others and, and life itself. Yes, and, and it, you know, it's quite fascinating what you're saying that really as a young boy you were introduced through the the way that they kind of viewed the world. It got you to see that there was a deeper message in everything. There were layers and layers of things that you just don't look at something in a, in a one-dimensional kind of way, that there are many deeper explanations if we choose to look there. Absolutely. You know, what I've learned is, is that the, 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 our minds, the rational mind, um, you know, tends to want to and does pin everything down to a single dimension and, and see, see everything in, in a very one-dimensional point of view. And, and also that one-dimensional point of view oftentimes, most times even, has nothing to do with, with reality and, and what's really going on and, and, and what's available there, the, the connections that are available there to be made uh, that can powerfully transform situations, our lives, uh, etc. Et and, you know, as I say, just the rational mind just, just pins everything down to one dimension um, that, that oftentimes doesn't serve us. And, you know, to... There's much more going on, and there's much more possibility and much more potential in our lives, inspiration to be had, connections to be made, and we have to journey beyond the strictures of our rational, linear minds to to do that. And now, 
the book that I've brought out, the, the Last Shaman, that I'm now um, in the process of getting birthing out into the world, you know, is, is, is very much along those lines. It's, it, it really is. While it's a, a story, a, a, a travelogue through a, a wonderful world, very much like the one I grew up in, it's also at the same time um, a manual and, and a, you know, a, a systematic lesson in, in this ability to open up our awareness and, and live in a much more exalted way. Very much so. There are, there are, um, there are some wonderful quotes from the book um, uh, that um, I'm just going to, you know, let's, I'll share some of them and then we can talk about them in, in uh, greater detail. But one of the things that really um, stood out for me as an example is on, um, I think it's page 108, where you said, my mind, uh, I realized with some bitterness, had no ability to uh, distinguish between a threat to my pride and a threat to my life. What would the difference in reaction be? Is well, you see, in, 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 in the book, um, what, what he's reflecting on is he's in a, he's in a very life-threatening situation. And, and what he reflects on there is times when only his, his identity, his ego has been threatened. In other words, his pride where he could have made a fool of himself or something like that. And, and here he is in a life-threatening situation, and he realizes then that this is exactly the same emotional experience that he's having when um, his, his pride's at stake. And, and, of course, he realizes from that the, the, the um, inability of his rational mind, of his rational self, to, to, to really distinguish what's important at, in, in life. And so to treat, you see, um, emotional dangers, um, you know, where what, what could happen is, all, all that could happen is that we could make a fool of ourselves or, or you know, be embarrassed or something or, or you know, just not seem to, to succeed. So... Uh, and our minds see that and, you know, give us an emotional response. That's as if we're going to die. It, 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 it equates it to survival when really this is his insight is that there's really nothing at stake oftentimes in our lives. All, all, that's, all that's going to happen is we're, going to, we're not going to hit that note. Somebody's going to say no, um, you know, just, just whatever it is. And... You know, we, 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 we can stop ourselves going for so much in life just because we kind of, at, at, a, at a you know, little bit of a subconscious level, equating what we fear could happen to actually survival. When, when, and and when, when he sees this in the book, when the character Mark Vale sees this in the book, he, he realizes that, you know, if, if you just look at it, um, if, if you then just bring a bit of awareness to whatever you approach in life, it's, it's not life or death. It, it, it's not a big deal. And so, therefore, you know, we, 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 sh we shouldn't let our kind of um, rational mind and, and the emotions that it throws up obstruct us from going for what we want to achieve in life, that we can, you know, be a lot more daring and, 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 and a lot, take a lot more risk, um, emotionally anyway, and, and that 
really there, there's nothing to lose, only what our minds hold as, as being there to lose, in, whereas in fact there's not much to lose in life and in, in our lives and, and we can go for much more than what we allow ourselves to and, and when we do, we obviously then achieve much more, have a greater sense of enjoyment and uh, connect with our power and, and then through the, the connection to our power start living out who we really are, which is these powerful beings that, that are incredibly creative and have super potential and, and beginning to, to live out and experience that potential. And, you know, it, it, it might sound, it might not sound like a big deal, but, but actually when you contemplate what we're talking about here and, um, you know, make this realization for yourself, it can be the beginning of, of true freedom for oneself. A, a real, a real, uh, you know, new beginning in one's life to a new level of bliss and um, potential, basically. I, I love what you're saying very much because that's that's why I, you know, kind of wanted to single out that quote. I thought it was really so valuable for people to um, incorporate into their daily existence because what we end up doing is just trap setting traps for ourselves when, you know, by having that mindset, if you will, you know, that fear of making, making a mistake, that fear of not looking good, really locks the door to possibility for us. When if we incorporated more of a sense of play and adventure, which is what your whole book is about, you're kind of guiding, you have these wonderful lessons, you know, um, running in and out of this wonderful adventure story which uh, makes it easier i think and and really appealing for people to participate in but once we let go of the looking good and the and the the fear of making a mistake it opens like you say the door to freedom to create all kinds of possibilities for ourselves absolutely you see and and it's actually much easier than people would expect to go beyond these limitations because what what I've discovered Kathy and you know it took me a while to discover this but the lesson has been well learned and and I'm I'm really able to transfer this to other people now to great effect in their lives and and it's it's this insight is that the thing is what I've learned is and I never used to and I so I'm not judging anyone but it's it's just a fact People don't question what they're telling themselves through their thoughts and their feelings. Mm. They just don't. They just take them for granted. You know, we were never taught at school that our thoughts and feelings aren't real, that really what they are, that our emotions and our mental process largely are just reflecting to us our assumptions, that because no one's ever told us they're not real, no one's ever put them in context or, or, or framed them for us, we just run along with them. We just assume that we, we, we don't even look what they're telling us. So we, we just we just at the the, the the effect of them that they hold us back through just a conditioned sense of of, of fear or, or whatever the emotion is that then just holds us back, and we just go along with it, and we never really take the trouble, which is so easy yeah. to ask ourselves 
what are we telling ourselves here? What, 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 do you th- what do we think is going? What do we assume, should I say, is going on? And and is that very realistic? And and that's why it's amazing that you singled out that passage because you, you, you know people single out all all different passages in that book. But the one that you singled out is, is it's just I'm, I'm so glad you you did because it it goes to this point is that you know if if we just ask ourselves what we're telling ourselves and what we really believe at stake and what we stand to lose if if we just de- take the trouble to just very briefly quickly deconstruct that we will go for so much more in our lives than than we usually tend to allow ourselves and the, you know you know what it's like you you build momentum in your life the further you allow yourself to go uh, encourages to go you to go even further so it's a very positive cycle that you can create for yourself um, by just coming to the simple realization and and also willingness to participate in your life just a little more deeply by you know just just seeing what's going on for yourself questioning it and and also you know then looking at whether you want what's holding you back to to hold back whether you know really there is that much at stake and whether really you aren't you know prepared to to take that little risk that that's involved and and you see what i find is that when people look at 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 their lives in this way or approach their lives in this way they they just do they just become so much more empowered and and you know uh, begin to express and experience their potential to a, to a much greater extent and and the rewards obviously are just so fabulous. I mean, Joseph Campbell, the great mythology teacher, used to talk about living your bliss. And I, I remember reading his work and, and, and thinking that that sounded uh, nice and all that, but it was just so intangible. But then lear- coming to learn what that means and, and the gift and the joy of living one's bliss and it, it it can only be an, attained by being an adventurer in life. Absolutely, You're, you say so many wise things, and and I think that it really also you brought out another uh, key point is that until we take an honest inventory of our thoughts, who we are, and who we're being, you know, in our own lives, we can't really create the blissful possibilities that exist for us. We can't tap into it unless we're taking an honest inventory of where we are and, you know, where we need to to go in order to achieve these things. And I know, you know, for myself, that kind of didn't happen to me until, uh, you know, I went through some devastating things in my own life, and which really forced me to take an inventory of who I was being in my own life and to the world, and and so on. And I I think with you it was a, a, a similar situation. You go through uh, something in life that forces you to kind of turn within and and look at at what's happening. And the great news about that, because I think again. It's something that we as human beings tend to want to run away from uh, and not look at. But the great thing about it is once we face that reality, anything is possible. But if we keep running from it, then there's there's no way to heal the pain in order to create something new. 
Absolutely, and and you you know you you raising a, another really good point here. But there's much more to it. I've learned as again, there's there's much more to this point about being real and and taking an inventory, because when when one does, obviously, it it urges one, um, and and gives one the power to, you know, and and and, and even. Um, the impetus to for for change when 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 you see what's really going on with yourself and you know how, how you're holding things and the the realization of the extent that one might be disempowering oneself i mean a, a natural thing happens and it must arise in in everyone really is is the desire to be more than that to be more you to to be more authentic to yourself and 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 also express your own power more, and uh, what what re- you know go for what matters for you in life. So so it does create a, a real impetus. But also there, there's another dynamic that that I love about um, being honest with where one is, well, being honest with oneself about where one is in life is from the standpoint of alchemy, as I've learned it anyway. Is, is that, you know, the alchemists have this triangle that I think virtually everyone has seen. You even see it on money, but, you know, people don't really realize what it's about. It's this thing of truth, love, and wisdom. And there's a, a very creative uh, power and force that you engage when, when you bring, you know, your current reality, the truth of your circumstances, and the deeper insights behind that to bear where you, you, you know where you are, uh, which is, you know, what the alchemists used to call truth, and you know what you love, where you want to be. Alchemists used to say this pushes up wisdom, and and it does. It, it, it's a it's a tension, you know. There's a, a tension between the discrepancy of where you are and where you want to be, and that tension, that structural creative tension, then creates an urge in your subconscious, in the creative part of you. To resolve that discrepancy and so very creative processes come into play and I'm, I'm just now actually as I've arrived in LA and uh, I'm just introducing myself and starting to um, you know showcase my my model here and so I'm working with a few singer-songwriters and actors and you know re- really creative people and we're beginning to put this model into place in their lives and just suddenly their dreams are very vivid that they, they're having you know amazing experiences uh synchronicities they, they're having realizations about themselves things are going on you know it, it, it's really juicy it brings into play this very creative force in your consciousness and and so it's not just for the sake of navel gazing. There's a, you know, there's a, there's, there's a very practical, um, creative application mm-hmm. as well to, you know, taking that good inventory that you were talking about, Kathy, and and then knowing where you are. It's it, it, especially if you add to it, knowing where you want to be, you suddenly have the foundation. You don't have everything necessarily, but you certainly have the foundation for a very uh, creative direction in your life suddenly. I love that very much and uh and yeah, it's and 
like you're saying, it's a lot easier than we think, isn't it? Because once we just step into those that little area, things begin uh, begin to move quite quickly. It 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 it, it initiates an enormous um, energy um, for action. Whereas when 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 we sort of muddling through our lives, not really knowing what we want and not really knowing wh- where we are, just going through life coping as best we can. We, we we really shutting down. You know, to me, the most amazing thing, and I guess because of my life experience, where I had an experience where I was brought to my deathbed, from from really just a, you know a, a mental attitude, basically, where I was just really shut down um, to myself and and my own energies, and then an awakening to that and an opening of them, and and the realization of my God. We can be we, we can we can really go through life with our energies shut down and, and no no appreciation for these wild fantastic forces and powers, creative powers within ourselves that, that can bring such effectiveness and joy joy to our lives. And um, you know, we can as I say, we can we can just miss the point of life by just being shut down to ourselves. And and just muddling through life, and to the the person that undertakes to, you know, really um, serve themselves in in coming to know who they are, what their purpose in life is, and also what stands between them <laughs> and and that that uh, greater nature and that purpose. What what's going on in there? That inventory that you're talking about, Kathy. To the person who's prepared to take that trouble. Uh, and 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 look into that. Which to me, once you start doing it, it, it is its own joy. But when one does, by God, it it really unleashes, um, uh, you know, just just such phenomenal energies and and forces within us that then do actually make everything in life a whole lot easier. We we call the creative orientation, we call the soul orientation, the effortless orientation. And partly because you're just engaged um, so directly in life, you're not really wasting your time on, on and energy on what doesn't matter to you in life. You've, it's a very direct approach to life. Mm-hmm. But also the energies that it brings to play do make life so much more joyous uh, energetic and and uh, so much more effortless as well. So the the initial kind of spade work that one has to do, uh, it's an investment in a much more effortless and, and joyous life. That the rewards are just, you know, I mean, <laughs> who do, who doesn't want the rewards of of freedom, joy, abundance, love, <laughs> um, health, good energy. Uh, I, I doubt anyone in their right mind would say no to that. <laughs> Absolutely. And what's wonderful, and I just want to uh, remind people that we are speaking to William Whitecloud, and you can find out more information about he's uh, written two very wonderful books, uh, The Magician and The Last Shaman. They are wonderful, not just in terms of uh, reading them and enjoying the adventures that you experience by going through them, but wonderful, wonderful life lessons and guidance for you, things that tools that you can take away and use in your day-to-day life to create mastery over living the kind of life that you want to live. And he is... Um, 
uh, internationally acclaimed. He does seminars around the world, which we're going to uh, talk a little bit more about. But you can find out more information about William by going to his website, and that's williamwhitecloud.com. And uh, so let's continue the talk here. We were going to break away, but I just feel like we have so much to talk. Can you hang with me, William? <laughs> I, no, I, I can. I'm, I'm bearing up. I'm holding up. But <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of energy in a conversation of this nature. So um, please carry on. Yes. Again, as I, I went through it, I... Um, I was just, you know, really, I couldn't stop myself from writing down all the fabulous quotes that I was finding. So I want to talk a little bit more about that. But also to share with people, as you mentioned, you're working with a lot of creative people right now and helping them to move, you know, uh, towards accomplishing their their dreams. But what I love about what you did is that you faced your own personal demons and had a lot of um, not only a health crisis, but there was a financial crisis, a personal crisis, and you went through that. And then from that, because you took an honest look at yourself, you were able to create all of these wonderful programs that are now helping other people to break out of the slump that they may be in and, uh, you know, again, gain mastery over their own lives. So can you talk a little bit about the programs that you developed and, and what you're offering? Uh, to sure. Can, can, I, can I just answer that by just giving a quick insight into my own sort of transformation? Yes. Where, yeah, because, I mean, <laughs> that, that really answers what you've just asked me now in a sense because, you see, and I'll be very quick, although it's a, it's a long story, I will be brief. See, I had a 10-year illness which brought me to my deathbed and it was a chronic illness that no one could uh, diagnose, nobody. I mean, I've seen professors in universities, complementary healthcare practitioners, alternative healers, medical doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists. No one uh, could detect anything wrong with me and yet I was wasting away in every sense, physically, emotionally, mentally, I deteriorated to the point where, in the end, I was on my deathbed receiving deathbed counseling. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I met a young man who told me that he knew what was wrong with me. Now, he was just a, an ordinary citizen, had no medical background whatsoever. He was a fitness instructor, and he told me he knew what was wrong with me. Not only did he tell me that he knew what was wrong with me, he told me that he had had what I had and described the condition and the symptoms and everything to me so that I totally knew without a doubt that I was talking to someone who, who had had what I had. And, and the amazing thing about him was that he was very healthy as a fit, young, strapping man. Um, and he told me that what I should do to heal myself was to begin eating red meat again, that I should drink some wine with my meals, some white wine specifically, that I should smoke a few cigarettes every day, and that I should have a couple of cups of coffee every day. And you see, with, with this, with the, the, over 10 years, the hundreds of people that I had seen about my illness, none of them knew what was wrong with me, but every single one of them would have agreed that his prescription was nonsense, that what he was offering me was in fact not only nonsense, was actually a prescription for suicide, but anyway, I uh, had nothing more to lose and I had some kind of faith in this man as well because of how he had described my symptoms to me and I knew that he had had what I had or fully trusted anyway and, and so I did what he said and within days 
uh, I was better. I mean, it took me a few months to put on the weight that I'd lost and the sores on my body to heal and, and this and that. But generally, energetically, in terms of energy, wellness, uh, clarity of mind, all of that, I was I was better in in days, not even not even a week, and it was it was an it was a, an incredible recovery and and turnaround, and here's the thing that that's important about all of this, is that what I realized for myself because no one told me no one was there to advise me or make sense of it for for me at all, but it was my own realization that I went by God my God. There must be some kind of way in which we pay attention, in which we focus, that causes what happens to us in life, that, that, that creates our reality or, or causes our experience to unfold in a certain way. Because here I've been for 10 years focusing on being unwell, focusing on you know, trying to find a, a cure for something that's wrong with me, and all that's happened is I've gotten sicker and sicker. And, and then when I've let go of that preoccupation, and I've you know, put my attention on something else, uh, n- not too clear on what else it was, but I've, I've just given up on that preoccupation to try and survive and, and um, you know, not be sick and uh, you know, heal myself. When I've, I've just let go of that preoccupation, uh, some, I've, I've had an entirely different turnaround. And, and you know, for some reason, I, I just never put any... Uh, I never ever believed there was any efficacy in the substances that he had proposed, in the wine and the meat and the caffeine and the, the nicotine and, and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. I, just, I was just left with this blinding realization that there must be some way in which I focus that then creates my reality. And I then decided that I would uh, undertake to find out what was behind this principle because I knew there was something behind it but I didn't know what, I didn't know how to work it and I wanted to work it so that I could create the very opposite of what I'd created over the last 10 years so that I could create a life that, that now had love in it that had you know, financial security and, and not only just security but, but wealth and abundance and I wanted health and I wanted love and I wanted a life that, that, that engaged my you know, creative abilities and, and fulfilled me creatively um and and so i did i i, I then went and undertook um it became my it became my purpose in life to discover what was behind this principle that i'd stumbled across and and i did and you know the thing is kathy is, is when you have a strong experience like that and and a strong realization coupled then with a strong desire and a strong intention it it you know the information I needed to discover and learn about and, and, and the, the, the journey that I need to go upon myself unfolded very quickly. Mm-hmm. And so my life began transforming very quickly, uh, just as how, how quickly as I had recovered after this 10-year illness, my life then also unfolded just as quickly, and I learned everything I had to learn um, very, very rapidly and, and be, began you know, doing the work on myself um, that I needed to do, and and then did learn uh, the principles behind this idea that that your focus creates reality, which I then you know, um, not not because I felt like I had to, but because people began approaching me and asking me, uh, you know, how I could help them, and and so I started doing that informally, and then very quickly it it also flowed into a formal uh, teaching, and and so. Really, all the work and everything that I live my life now, by now um, 
and and support others in 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 living you know beautifully creative lives is based on this idea that we create our reality at, you know by by what we focus on but i just want to say before i leave it there is that there's a lot more to the idea that our focus creates reality than what one thinks if if people think that well it just means that then you decide what you want in life and then just picture it and imagine it and make affirmations about it, it's going to flood into your life. Well, I'm just here to tell you that it's not that simple. And I've been on radio a lot in, in the U.S. and I've, I've had listeners, you know, where they have call-ins, people call in and say, I do that stuff, but it doesn't work because, the, you know, one has to have a deeper understanding of, of how this works. And if one does, well, then one can use it to brilliant effect. And by the way, it's not complicated. It, it, it's simple, but it just goes deeper than that just shallow idea that if you just, you know, have a vision board up on your wall, you know, what's on that vision board will fl flow into your life. Exactly right. But, you know, you also mentioned that it happened also very organically for you. There was a deeper kind of spiritual meaning in everything you did. It's almost as if this young man who approached you gave you permission to feel a acceptance, number one, you know, instead of resistance towards um, having to overcome the obstacles you were overcoming, and also creating this space for you to take responsibility for yourself and where you were, rather than like we all feel when we're having problems that we that seem to be overwhelming or health uh, tragedies that we're trying to, you know, um, battle that everything is out of our control when really everything is within our control. We are no. the masters yeah, no. of it. Exactly. Sorry to interrupt you, because I'm just, you know, sorry to interrupt. I'm just, no, that's okay. But, but, no, no, because what, why I do, why I'm, I just want to jump in is because what you're saying is, 110% right. It's, it's more than, you know, more than right. Because, you see, one of the things that this guy, his name was Greg, I, I, I've never had contact with him ever since then. I, I don't know where, who he is or where he lives. I just remember his name was Greg. And the one thing that Greg said to me, this guy said to me, he said, what, you know, you've got to let go of all these people that you're seeing because they are killing you. Mm. That, that's what he said. And it goes back to what you said. You see, one of the things I, I know now in retrospect and having done all the work in myself is from the moment I got sick, I let go of all responsibility. Yeah. My, my life became this endless round of looking for someone who could save me. And all the power was out there. And it, it was really interesting that I went and I saw psychiatrists and I saw you know, professors of endocrinology or gastroenterology. It, Everybody, all these experts, and what was so interesting in retrospect, although then I, I was, it really disturbed me, but now looking back, it was like a message. All of them said, I don't know what's wrong with you, you know, and they were the experts, you know. And, and, and then when Greg, this guy, said to me, all these people that you're seeing, they are killing you. <laughs> you know, everything they're telling you, everything they're prescribing, everything, they are killing you. And it is, it's like you say, in that, that was when I went, you know what, screw them. I'm not going to refer to anybody outside of myself now. I'm going to have a steak. I'm going to have a glass of wine, you know. And there was, some, you know, de 
definitely. I know. I know. I, the, no one has to come up with a theory to prove it to me or, or show me. Or I know deep down, and it's like you're saying. I took the power back, you know, and everything, everything changed. Yeah, because you know, and, and also in doing that, sometimes we go down one path. And then if we can't find the answers, if the doors keep closing, then we're not on the right path, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And until you give it up and say, okay, let me go a little deeper, and then you kind, you begin to listen to your own intuition, and then the doors start opening. But something you said was very pivotal to me, and that as you develop this organically and it began to happen people came to you why because you were a living example they saw you one way and then they experienced that transformation you weren't uh, broadcasting it anywhere people were drawn to the energy that you created for yourself and so all of that is like I just feel that it's in harmony with the universal laws, if you will, you know, where we're just giving of ourselves, you know, it's it's we're just passing on what our experiences are in the hopes of helping others through this process. So you did that and then everything else developed. So for me it was like this is when you know that you're walking down the right path because this is how life develops in those cases. Exactly, and and to to refer it back to the last shaman, there's there's a there's an idea in the last shaman that people um, quote a lot back to me, and it's where his main mentor in the book, uh, the, the, the main the the, main, the, the, the protagonist main mentor in the book, always says to him that life, you know, the, the, the soul's orientation unfolds and the egoic orientation, our ego's path happens to us and our soul path unfolds. And it's, it's like, again, what you're saying is that from that time then, things began unfolding for me instead of happening to me. You know, I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't like the victim of circumstances that now I know I actually created, that, that then I react to and then just entrenches the, the circumstances further and keeps me in my patterns and, and in my uh, condition patterning and playing out this, this um, uh, you know, just merry-go, egoic merry-go-round. Mm -hmm. but, but when you get off that and, and you know, step, re realize who you are, uh, take responsibility for yourself, claim your power, take responsibility for yourself and be prepared to, you know, to, to let the cards fall where they will in your life and, and, and stop, you know, trying to control everything and um, stop, try, stop giving the power away. And it's a very vulnerable position to be in life. I mean, the, the heart-open orientation of life is a, is a vulnerable orientation, but, but it's a point from which when you enter into that orientation, when you open your heart and, and, and place yourself um, on that path, then it it is just amazing how how things unfold from there uh, and 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 continue to to unfold and you you live your life in a way where you're not working it out anymore but you just you're receiving it you you you're following you're following the breadcrumbs as it were and and I like that analogy because I heard it from someone about a week ago and they were using it a lot and I, I've picked up on it now and I like it because it is it's like following breadcrumbs but the thing is that the more you follow the breadcrumbs, the bigger and more obvious they become. And, um, the, you know, just 
the easier and, and, and more magically it all unfolds all the way anyway once once you're on that path. And, you know, to, to be honest, that is why I wrote The, the Last Shaman, and that's the whole theme of it. I know in from profound experience and working with a lot of other people that really our, our real nature and how we're really supposed to work is we are all being guided, really, at in every second and moment and minute of our lives, we are always being guided. And, you know, there are many ways that we can live our lives out, but the highest way, the most powerful way that's available for us to live is to live in accordance with our highest guidance, to be able to be to open to that, to receive it, and then to have the courage to act on it. And so we can live in a way where we appreciate that we're being guided and, and, and we follow that guidance. And that guidance will, in more and more powerful ways, uh, open us up to the possibilities in our life, the potential in our life, and fulfill our highest destiny, which is the ultimate realization of what we can create. But but also we, we, we're inherently connected to everything. So when we operate at that level, what is so beautiful about this and, and, and gives us such pleasure and joy and fulfillment is that our successes, if you want to call them that, our achievements, our successes, which is, in my language, just being more and more who you are and, and, and um, fulfilling your authentic nature more and more. The thing about that is, is that because we're connected, is that we then positively affect all that we're connected to, our environment, our society, our our community, and, and we do. We, there, there is no pleasure in life, I believe. It's the most hedonistic thing you can do is to grow and to serve mm -hmm. uh, what you're a part of because it is just, it is just so fulfilling to, to, make, you know, to have that growth in your life and, and make that contribution in the world. Oh, I agree with you so much. And it's not until I think each of us go into being of service in whatever we are meant you know, to, to do, that um, we, we can experience that bliss 100%. You know, there will always be a taste of it here and there. But until we actually come to a personal choice to say, okay, I get what my gift is and I, need, I, I am ready to be of service and to be in action around that, well, we, you know, it's impossible to really have the full benefit of what we're capable of receiving, in my, in my opinion. No, I, I agree. And, and uh, you know, everyone agrees with you. Uh, if, if you look at uh, even uh, the 12-step programs that, that are support systems for people with addictions of, of any kind and, and, you know, really destructive um, behavior and, and uh, patterns, uh, you know, you know what, one of their main principles is, is to be of service. Service is what gets us out of ourselves and, and, and connects us to, to what we're, you know, connects us to our inherent connection, connects us to, to what we're meant to be connected to. And through that, there's an, a real upliftment process because our attention shifts from resolving our identity, um, which resolving our identity, you know, when, when, we, when we're just uh, self-concerned, it's, it's because we're hung up on, 
on what we feel incomplete about ourselves. And as long as what we as we try to um, you know complete what we feel is incomplete about us ourselves, we actually only compound the problem. It just makes us more incomplete. Someone you know who feels that they don't have worth and and needs to um, seek approval. The more I know, I know that I speak this from personal experience. I've, I've been in a, a approval-seeking behavior, and it just makes you feel emptier and emptier and emptier. Yeah. So when, when we go from being self-obsessed to, to being service-orientated, which means that we then act in favor of something beyond ourselves, which to invoke Joseph Campbell again, he said the definition of a hero is someone who just simply doesn't matter what it is, but acts in favor of something beyond them, themselves. Mm-hmm. Then we open up to our greater nature, which then starts informing us and instructing us in, 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 a, in a way that takes us outside of our egoic pattern and behaviors and preoccupations. And we move on. We move on to what Dante would have called heaven because he said, you know, hell is the place of those too fixed to their fears and desires to move on to eternity. And eternity being that inspired place where we can, you know, uh, see something new for ourselves. We can live in the new and the fresh and be open to greater possibilities, greater potentials, where we're more creative because we're now making connections between things that before we didn't. And that could be artistic connections and business ideas, um, you know, greater emotional feeling in, in our relationships, whatever. We, we, we become expanded. And uh, I just watched a movie two nights ago, and I... You know, call me stupid, but I, I don't even know what the name of the movie was. But in, in the movie, the, the, the main character is a very psychologically disturbed young man. And uh, there's a woman in his life who wants to, him to be her dance partner. And he's explaining to his psychologist you know, how, how mixed up and messed up she is and how he doesn't want to become involved in her life. And the, psychiatrist, the, the psychologist says to him, Look, go and go and go and dance. You know, it'll, it, it might lead to something new in your life. And and basically, what he's urging the person to do, the character to do, is to be of service. And the character does. He becomes of service to this woman. And not only his life transforms, but everyone in the story's life transforms. And I've seen this time and time again, Kathy, and in my own life, and many people I work with, is. When you, when, when you become of service, your life, not only does your life trans, transform, when you begin, uh, you know, paying your, lending your energy to something beyond yourself, not only does your life transform, but the world around you transforms. But the, because that's the way it is, because we, we, everything's connected. Yeah. And, and so through your own transformation, everything else transforms. And, and this is one of the, 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 the most important reasons for transformation also is that, you know, that I've yet to meet the person who doesn't want to live in a better world, who doesn't want the world to change for the better, would, wouldn't donate money to a good cause, wouldn't want things to be better all around the world. And, and so if you want that, the best thing you can do is undertake your own transformation, uh, be, be, become involved in your own transformation, because 
it's going to uplift the whole world that you're a part of. And, and it, it's, a, it's a magic thing to be part of, a process to be part of, and to observe and to witness. It, it's just awesome. It, it really is. What you're saying is quite beautiful. And um, it, it, it doesn't take much for all of us to do. It's so easy to be of service, and um, each of us has such a beauty and a wisdom within. And if we just tap into that, where we should take you know, those gifts and be of service is, you know, it's it's right there. It's within our grasp. And like you say, if everyone just takes a small step towards that, boy, what a different globe we would be living in. It would really <laughs> shift things in a, in a quite beautiful way and um, something I look forward to uh, to seeing happen in my lifetime in any event. Well, I can't thank you enough. I know we're minutes away, and as I, I mentioned, we did have some technical difficulty, and I thank you so much for your patience, William. Um, I think the work you're doing is incredible. Your two books, The Magician's Way and The Last Shaman, definitely everyone should go to your website, get these books. They're really wonderful, wonderful gifts to give to people that you care about as well as read them. Take the adventures yourself and take the lessons that he so beautifully uh, has, you know, kind of written throughout both books. And um, again, his website is williamwhitecloud.com. What uh, are you going to be traveling with your seminars, William? What's What's next for you? Well, you know, uh, un- unfortunately, uh, I-, I don't have anything planned, although I will very soon. But right now, I'm actually just working on, um, uh, you know, developing a new model that I want to introduce into the United States and, and then from here further further afield. And so I'm, I'm just going to take uh, fe- the, the, the time in February to create this new model that I want to um Express, and then I'll, I'll create a program and, and a calendar around it and that. But just for now, if, if anyone interested can just go to the website and um, also there are free chapters available on the website to the books and that will also link you to um, newsletters that will keep you posted of uh, upcoming events and, and you know what I'm going to be up to as well as uh, hooking you into free resources that can serve in living the very orientation and way of life that we're talking about here. So a, a really good um, starting point is, is just simply to go to williamwhitecloud.com and check me out. Absolutely. And uh we will keep in touch and let me know as you begin to take that little road show around the country. I hope you'll come back and keep us uh, updated on, on what you're doing because we love the work that you're doing and we really enjoyed you coming on the program today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Um, thrilled to be on a show. <laughs> well, thanks again. I'll mention that uh, website. It's williamwhitecloud.com. Uh, it's really been a joy and a pleasure to have you on the program. And um, this is Kathy Barrett, and I am, again, in total gratitude for William's appearance, for the work that uh, Tasula Hajitofi does uh, for the organization Walk of um, Truth, which is walkoftruth.com. And it's really been great having you along on this journey with me. I'm sending you a virtual hug from behind the curtain. I'll be back next week, and I hope you'll tune in. Until then, peace, everybody. 